chapter, chapter 4, book of Romans. And um, I come to you tonight with a very full heart. Amen. I'm, I'm, uh, I was talking with uh, Sister Dodd after class and you know, just some of the things the Lord's been showing me just the last couple of weeks. I'm really excited about it, really excited about the opportunity that I have to to not just benefit from these things in my own life personally, but to be able to present them to you for you to be able to grab hold of them and experience the results that they'll produce in your life as well. Amen. Uh, before I read the passage, um, in class, and I know some of you were in class, some of you, you know, weren't able to be there tonight, but aren't a part of it this year, but in class we were, we were talking about the ways of God. In Isaiah 55 he says that because our thoughts are not his thoughts, our ways are not his ways, and that his ways are higher and better. Higher doesn't just mean in distance, but so much better. Um, not just different, but different in a good way. Um, here's the thing, if we could just build on on that, for those of you who are in the class, those of you who are not, it's not a hard concept to grasp. But here, here's the thing you've got to remember, please. You've got to remember this. While God's ways are higher and better, all of our Father's ways are the ways of faith. All of His ways have certain things in common, and one of the things that they have in common, every way of God his way to do marriage, his way to do child raising, his way to do finances, his ways, anything and everything that has to do with the ways of God. The one thing that is consistent throughout all of them, obviously, is God. But, but what connects you to that, enables you to benefit from that, is the ways of faith. Amen. It's the ways of faith. All right? So Hebrews 11, for instance, says that you can't please God without faith. Romans 12, where it talks about all the different ways that individuals are gifted. Um, you may be gifted in administration. You may be gifted in, in prophecy. You may be gifted in, in you know, to, to preach, to teach, all, all these different areas of, of, of how God has gifted you. The Bible says, let each one minister that gift in proportion to their faith. So see, even when it comes to doing what you're called to do, um, the ability to do that effectively and successfully um, is dependent upon uh, your faith and, and, and developing in faith and growing in faith. As a matter of fact, I, I want you to tell the person sitting next to you, just lean over and tell them, hey, I'm growing in faith. Just come on now, I'm growing, I'm growing in faith. Amen. That was kind of weak. Tell somebody else a little more confidence. Amen. I'm growing in faith. Growing in faith. Growing in faith. Amen. All right, so let's, um, let's, let's begin here in, in Romans 4 and 16. It says, Therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Amen. From this passage, sometimes people ask me, where does the Bible say that? You know, because I'll take things from passages and, and condense them into a, a phrase that you can remember and confess. And um, 
the phrase, um, faith receives what grace has already given, is um, extracted from this portion of Scripture. Faith receives what grace has already given. Amen. And he's also saying that Abraham is the father of us all. Now, if we took the time, we could expound on that in, in greater measure. But although there's more to it than this, one of the key things that he's communicating there is that Abraham set an example of faith for us to learn from and follow. And even later it says for us to follow in the footsteps, or prior to this, I think, to follow in the footsteps of his faith. So literally, I remember when my dad used to plow a garden and me and Matt were kids, you know, and his footprints would be in that freshly uh, disked and plowed soil. We'd try to put our feet, you know, in his, obviously, you know, I'd have to stretch out there. My legs weren't as long as his in those days. And so he's literally, that's the, that's the imagery here that where Abraham put his foot, you put your foot and follow it exactly the, what he did. And, and if you're interested in results, because Abraham um, learned some things about faith and set an example for us that will produce results in our lives as well. Okay. So now verse 17, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Verse 18, who contrary to hope in hope believed so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. Now, we see that God comes to Abraham and he speaks some things to him. He, he makes him some promises. And those promises, although they involve lots of blessings and, and benefits for Abraham, at the core of all of that, God promised that in those days it was Abram and Sarah. They changed their names to reflect what God was doing in their lives to Abraham and Sarah. So we just refer to them as Abraham and Sarah. But they were Abram and Sarah when God first came to them. He promised them that they would conceive and have a son. And of course, we know that son later to be Isaac. The challenge behind that promise was that they weren't able to have children and now they were well past the age of you know, childbearing age. And so when God first made them that promise, they literally laughed in the face of God. It seemed so impossible, it seemed, it seemed so preposterous that it was laughable to them that there's any way that could ever happen or come to pass. Before you judge them, let me just tell you, God's promised you some pretty amazing things as well. Amen. That I hope, you know, you don't stagger at. Um, but what we see, of course, is that they took those promises and they begin to align their thinking with those promises. They begin to align their words with those promises. They begin to align their actions with those promises. This is, this is tapping into their faith. One of the things we also see is the Bible says that they gave glory to God and, and refused to consider all the um, impossibilities of their physical condition, but choosed, chose, instead, choosed, chose instead to believe 
that God was able to do what He promised. That God was able to do what He promised. As a matter of fact, in, in the Old Testament when they laughed, in, in the book of Genesis when they laughed, the response was, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Now, what I believe is that Abraham and Sarah grabbed hold of not just that promise, but they grabbed hold of that statement, is there anything too hard for the Lord? And they used that statement like a weapon against all that was in them contradicting the fulfillment of God's promise in their life. As a matter of fact, let me, let me give you, I don't have the slide for this yet, but let me just give you three things, okay? Circumstances, if you're taking notes, write these down. Circumstances, circumstances, C-I-R-C-U-M-S-T-A-N-C-E-S, circumstances. While you're writing it down, let me tell you what it is. It's things that stand in a circle around you, okay? Circumstances, it's, it's, it's talking about what's, what's going on, conditions, um, situations. Again, just the circumstances. You know, some, sometimes people say, well, it is what it is, you know? Well, you could define circumstances as, well, it is what it is, right? Circumstances. The next one, symptoms, S-Y-M-P-T-O-M-S, symptoms. Circumstances, symptoms, do I need to explain symptoms to you, <laughs> amen, right? It's some kind of pain, it's uh, some, some kind of fever, some kind of, you know, again, a condition that you're, you're dealing with. It's a symptom, it's a symptom. Symptoms are a sign of some other kind of problem or issue. Am I right about it? Okay, all right. So you've got circumstances, symptoms, and then the third one is sense, S-E-N-S-E, -E, like your physical senses, sense realm evidence. Sense, S-E-N-S-E, -E, realm, R-E-A-L-M, Evidence, E-V-I-D-E-N-C-E, -E, okay? Sense realm evidence. Amen. Let's go over it again. Circumstances, symptoms, sense realm evidence, right? Did Abraham have some circumstances contradicting what he believed he had already received? Did he have symptoms contradicting what he believed he had already received. Did he have loads of sense realm evidence? By sense realm evidence, remember, the Bible says that everything you can see with your physical eyes came from a realm that you cannot see. There's the realm of the physical, there's the realm of the spirit, amen, the realm of the spiritual, the realm of the heavenly, amen. We, we connect with the realm of the spirit, we connect with the realm of the heavenly by faith, amen. Faith is to the realm of the spirit what your physical senses are to the realm of the physical. In the same way that your physical senses enable you to connect with and function in a physical world, faith enables you to connect with and function in the realm of the spirit. 
The answer to Abraham's problem was not in the physical world. It was not in the physical world. Sense realm is, is another way of saying the physical world. I got to come in and just talk to you for a minute, okay? I got to, amen. Some of you heard some of this this morning. I, it just, amen. Praise God. I don't mean to drive the camera person crazy. Thank you. You got it. Thank you, Sister Melanie. Amen. All right. Stay with me, sister. If you don't stay with me, they're still hearing me. All right. Amen. So the word to Abraham and Sarah was, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? <clears throat> I'm here tonight to try to talk to you some more about hope, okay? <laughs> and we're going to get there, I promise. I really thought we were going to get there tonight, but I, I've got to, I need to just step back for just a minute. And I want you to see the bigger picture. I want you to see what's really going on here. I, I really feel like that, that, the, that the Holy Spirit is showing us some things pertaining to this subject of faith that are, that are so important. And, and I don't, listen, I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back. I, I have listened and, and studied after some of, the, some of the greatest faith teachers I believe that have, that have ever lived. And I'm not saying that they don't know all this and have written six books about it. I'm just telling you, I've never heard anybody else explain it this way. This is fresh off the press from the Holy Spirit to my heart. And it's going to take me a week or two at least to try to get all this out. And just, amen. I'm just asking you to, to, to really be open to looking at these things in a way maybe that you've never looked at them before. Is that, is that fair enough? Okay. Can we, can we put to bed once and for all the lie from the enemy that we're not supposed to use our faith as a tool? Okay. God gave you the measure of faith to develop and to strengthen and to cultivate and to sharpen, amen, so that you could use the measure of faith that He gave you to solve problems on this planet. Amen. Jesus went about doing good, destroying the works of the devil, solving people's problems, and everything that he did, he did by faith. Jesus solved financial problems by faith. He solved uh, uh, physical problems, people who were sick and chronic illnesses, pain in their bodies. He solved that by faith. Spiritual problems, he cast out devils by faith. He fed hungry people by faith. He uh, acquired financial resources by faith. Are you understand what I'm saying? Everything that had to do with life and any problem, any circumstance, any symptom, any sense realm evidence that would, would contradict, we see that Jesus dealt with it, He overcame it, He put it beneath Him, foul weather, He put it in His place by faith. Are you following what I'm saying? All the water taxis were gone, there were no boats left, Jesus walked on the water by faith. Are you understand what I'm saying? Nothing stopped Him. His faith was the victory that overcame this world. Amen. And it's time for us to move on from this shallow, vague concept as faith being, let me share my faith with you, brother, and we tell them what denomination we are part of. Amen. Let's get over that already. And so you, faith in you is like a muscle that has to be developed. It has to be fed. It has to be nourished. It has to be strengthened. For the last two Wednesday nights, we compared the concept of faith or the idea or the, the reality of faith and we said that it's not just an art form and it's not just a skill. It's not either or. It's both and. 
With the heart man believes. Faith is something in your heart. Faith, faith is, a, is a function of the heart. But we also can look at faith to understand it better from the concept of it being machinery. Machinery that would produce a result. Machinery that would take the raw materials and put them together in the right order and produce a measurable, tangible, verifiable result in your life. And in the same way that we need to learn the art form of faith, we also need to learn how to sharpen our faith skills. There are actually some things that we can deliberately, intentionally do, amen, to exercise our faith, to feed our faith, to grow in faith. Amen. Amen. Now, here's, here's the thing tonight, and let's, let's just get this part. And if we have time to talk about hope, we will. If not, we'll get to it next week. Should, should Jesus tarry his return to the earth? Okay. Whew. Praise God. Faith, by virtue of what it does, is adversarial. Now, I'd, again, you say, Pastor Mark, you're just trying to sound all important tonight. No, that's what the Holy Spirit told me. That's, ex that's exactly how he said it to me. Faith, no, I'm sorry, that's not exactly how he said it to me. Exactly how he said it to me is faith is adversarial. Faith is adversarial. I'm like, that's kind of odd, okay, adversarial. What does that mean? It means it fights. It, it, it means that it's, it's looking for a fight. It, 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 it's not, I think in the book we said something like this. Faith is not denying a problem exists. Faith gets up in the teeth of a problem, right? and fights the good fight of faith. Faith, by virtue of what it does, gets in the mud, gets in the blood if it has to. Faith gets in the fray with you. Faith gets in the fight with you. And we need to understand that when it comes to faith, we're talking about a fight because faith is designed to solve a problem. And you have an enemy that doesn't want your problem solved. Faith moves mountains. And you have an enemy who wants those mountains to stay right where they stayed in your family for 12 generations. And so you're going to rise up in faith and move that thing and you're going to run headlong into an adversary. You're going to run headlong into some resistance. You're going to run headlong into forces that are working against you to try to stop you. You don't think the devil was trying to stop Isaac from being born the child of promise? Have you ever stopped to consider... If he can prevent Isaac from being born, he can prevent Jesus from being born. You say, oh, Pastor Mark, that had never happened. Excuse me? In other words, let, let me say it another way. If, if, I, I, this is another, I think, reason why Abraham's example of faith is such an important one for us to follow. Because we do not have the capacity to understand what was at stake with that child being born. And how the devil and every devil and demon in hell was fighting against Abram and Abraham and Sarah. Do you, I'm not here, listen, I, I know this is sensitive. God loves all the nations of the earth, all peoples of the earth. And we're going to see billions upon billions of people come to Jesus before he returns to this earth. But do you understand, again, Abraham stepped out of faith. He got into playing the odds because the odds of him and Sarah having a child were, were zero to none and zero left the building. Are you understand what I'm saying? And so they decided he would have a 
better chance of getting Sarah's uh, servant girl pregnant than he would having her. Right? Sarah couldn't get pregnant when she was in her 20s. Maybe Abraham, you know, still had a little bit of seed left in his body, and the chances were better at least if this is how desperate they were to see this thing fulfilled, that, that, that Sarah agreed to this. This was not God's plan. God, and, and you even see Abraham trying to talk God into letting uh, Ishmael count. I mean, God's like, this is not what I told you, son. This is not how this is supposed to happen. It's going to be you and Sarah. And Abraham's like, God, please, we got a kid here. Can't we just do whatever's got to be done with this kid? And God said, no, it's not, it's not the plan. So this idea that, you know, you know, Isaac was just, you know, not really that important. Are you kidding me? So they laugh at this. Now let's go back to circumstances, symptoms, sense realm, evidence. God speaks to Abraham, and, and I know this, I'm not trying to simplify this, but I think one of our problems is we've overcomplicated it. God speaks this to him, and I think after he has this conversation and asks him, is there anything too hard for the Lord? You know, I mean, he's kind of, maybe him and Sarah sit down over a cup of tea, and they're like, well, you know, I mean, I mean, he's God. He created the world, I guess. You know, if he created us, he can create a kid, and somehow, I don't know how it's going to happen, but, I mean, I guess you could get, I mean, is there anything too hard for him? I mean, you know. And this, notice what's happening just from this conversation. Faith, because God's given to them the measure of faith. Something's starting to, to churn inside of them. Something's starting to stir inside of them, just like something's starting to stir inside of you tonight. It's, it's like, well, maybe, maybe it's not impossible after all. Maybe I can get that job after all. Maybe I can come out from under this uh, mountain of debt after all. Maybe I can be restored to my family after all. Maybe I can find that wife after all. Maybe I can be healed after all. Maybe I can fulfill my destiny after all, right? Something's starting to stir in them. So they said, well, you know, I might as well just believe him. Okay. Now, this is how the Lord is showing it to me. Okay. And there's a lot more to come on this. But if you think of it within the context of like a trial, a trial. Okay, I mean like jury, judge, prosecution, defense, a trial. Every trial begins with a declaration. A declaration that is a response to some statement, some claim, some allegation, some charge. So Abraham showed up in court to offer his plea, to make his declaration. Could we say to take his stand of faith? He's decided, Sarah's decided, we're going to believe God. We're going to grab hold to God. We're going to believe what God said. We're going to believe and keep saying that if He promised, He's able to do it. He's faithful and He'll do what He said He'll do. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Right? So they take that stand of faith. 
This is what Mark 11.24, when Jesus says, believe you have already received when you pray, believe you've already received what you asked for, and you will have, you will have what you've believed you've received, okay? Now listen, believing you will receive ain't going to get it. I, I think that was the mistake Abraham made for a lot of years. God said, I have made you the father of many nations. He heard, I will make you the father of many nations. We've been talking about this in class this week uh, at the foundry. The oldest trick in the devil's playbook is to get you to try to become something you already are trying to get God to give you something that's already yours. He didn't say, Abraham, I will one day make you the father of many nations. He said, I have made you the father of many nations. Abraham was trying to believe he would one day be. That's not faith. Faith is believing I have already received even when every circumstance Every symptom and all the sense realm evidence says it's not true. It's adversarial. We should not be surprised, please. Matter of fact, I'm, listen, I'm not... We should not be surprised... When we draw that line in the sand, we plead not sick. I'm not sick, I'm healed. Devil's trying to tell me I'm sick. Bringing charges against me. Bringing allegations against me. Bringing claims against me. Trying to put something on me that's not mine accusing me of something that I didn't do right how are you going to plead you see what I'm saying so Abraham took his stand I want to spend a long time right there but I don't have a long time Abraham took his stand and because he believed he already received what God promised him. How many children does he have at this point? Isaac isn't born yet. But he's calling things that be not as though they were. Okay, now watch this. This was where the confident expectation, the hope, Verse 18, who contrary to hope in hope believed so that he became. Abraham, this isn't hard, just listen to me please. Abraham believed his way into confident expectation. That's what hope is. Hope is a confident expectation. I'm going to show it to you in some other places in the scripture. We're going to break it down. Okay, we'll have to do that next Wednesday night. But it's, it's literally, are you, 
have you ever like been expecting company at your house? You're excited about some people coming over to your house or what have you, and you're expecting them. And like every few minutes, you look out the window to see if they're coming down the street. You're, 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 in other words, when we talk about a confident expectation, we're, we're talking about like a, a, an excited expectancy. Like can't wait to Christmas morning kind of excitement. This intense desire, this, this expectation, right? Now, where in the world did Abraham get that hope? Where did he get that kind of confident expectation? How in the world did, did he go from, when it says contrary to hope, that literally means that it could not be any more hopeless. It could not be any more the opposite of hope. Something contrary to means the exact opposite of. So he's, what he's saying is the circumstances, the symptoms, and the sense realm evidence could not have spelled out or painted a more hopeless picture for Abraham to look at. I mean, it was no way every way he looked. There was nothing he could hang his hat on. The, the, the last ditch effort, notice how desperately he was trying to find something to support his hope. He went, the only conceivable option was to try to have a child with his wife's servant girl. That shows you how desperately he was trying to find something to have some kind of confidence that this thing was going to turn around. He was desperate for hope. And when we're desperate, we consider things that we haven't considered in the past. And so now that he's exhausted that option, there is literally no other option for him. When it says contrary to hope, literally you could write three paragraphs and not express a more hopeless situation with words than what's communicated in that contrary to hope. But notice, contrary to hope, with absolutely nothing in his circumstances, nothing in the symptoms, nothing in the sense realm to give him hope. In hope believed. This doesn't mean that he believed in the concept of hope. This doesn't mean that he thought hope as an ideal and, you know, uh, zip de doo da whatever, just throw caution to the wind and let's just choose to be full of hope. No. What it means is because he believed nothing was too hard for God, this provided support to rest his hope upon. This now became something that he could affix hope to. He could begin to confidently expect. He could begin to look out the window and see if Isaac was coming down the road on his bicycle. He you see what I'm saying? Now, it's, it, 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 it's, it's provided. See, this is why I believe, and it's an easy trick of the enemy. This is why hope is what we relate to even more than faith. Listen to me. Hope, hope is what we, we cling to. Hope is what we understand. Hope is... is it's, um, it, it affects us more emotionally and it and touches us uh, more emotionally than, than faith does. Faith is, is, is 
I'm not trying to say faith won't move you, but, but faith, again, is more about a, a calculated decision based upon something God has said, right? Hope is the thing that we, we can't live without. Hope is, is like oxygen to our soul. Hope is, 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 is something that we, we cling to and search for and, and try to find, right? And so notice when you're in a truly hopeless situation where there is nowhere to find hope in anything or anyone around you, right? Where are you? See, hopeless literally means there's nothing we can set our hope on to, to rest. You, you follow what I'm saying? There's nothing to support it. For hope to be valid, it must have a basis. It's got to rest on something. And when we can't find anything to rest it on, we come to the conclusion we're hopeless. So where was Abraham able? What did he find that he could rest his hope upon? Faith. He believed nothing was too hard for the Lord. He began to say that. He began to, say, he began to talk that. When those thoughts would bombard his mind. Praise God. This is... Let's go back to something I've been prompted to tell you over and over. We're going to add one little thing to it, then we'll pray, okay? If, if we can get to the hope, how do, how do, we, how do we get there? How do, we, how do we have a legitimate hope, a confident expectation? It, it comes from believing you've already received Something God has spoken concerning your life. You got to believe you've already received healing. Draw the line in the sand. Lord, show me some things on that as well. See, if it's adversarial, you better have your case made. Lord gave me a new word. You ready? Faithmatics. Faithmatics, right? Who remembers in, in school? You turn in your homework and you just hand the teacher a list of answers. Math homework, last list of answers, right? What was she more than likely going to do? She's going to hand that paper back to you and say, Show me your work. Show me how you got these answers. Show me where you worked all this out and you don't just take a long problem and write the number seven down there and tell me that's the answer. Because she's not just interested in you being able to tell her the answer. She's interested in you knowing how to get the answer. One of the problems we have with faith is we try to get answers from our buddy. We try to get answers from our brother and sister and make them our own when we haven't done the faith. We haven't done the math. We haven't done the legwork. We haven't searched the Scriptures. We haven't hidden them in our heart. We haven't fed and nurtured our faith. We just want to blab something out that we've heard somebody else say. Uh, we got our answers from our buddy last minute before we walked into class, right? We took his paper, wrote all the answers down, and we want to hand it to God 
and call it faith. My friend, you got to do the faith medics. you got to dig into this word for yourself. you got to be able to make a case because when you plead not sick, your adversary is going to challenge you. Your adversary is going to bring you statistics. Your adversary is going to tell you how many people died with the same cancer you've got. Your adversary is going to tell you how hopeless this is and how chronic this is and how terminal this is. And you better have done your homework. You better be able to give an answer for the hope that you have inside of you. You see the difference here, right? Do you see the difference? See, we want to talk about what we expect in God to do. And we got it, we got it up there just teetering on a flimsy answer we heard somebody else say. As soon as you get that faith established with confident expectation resting on it, the devil's coming after that faith. He's going to do everything he can with circumstances, symptoms, sense realm evidence. Chip away at it because he knows that as soon as he undermines the faith, there will be nothing left to support the hope and the whole thing will collapse. It's adversarial. That's why every time, I'm not trying to be funny or graphic, like every time he looked at himself with no clothes on in the mirror, every time he saw his wife Sarah, and the devil's like, yeah, dude, you and her are fixing to have a child. Absolutely, right? Ha, 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 right? Every time, every single time the circumstances attacked his faith, the sense realm evidence attacked his faith, the symptoms attacked his faith, he drew the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, Right? He defended it. He was no stranger to this. Remember when he cut the animals in half and the vultures come to try to get what God called holy? And he took that branch and that limb and he started beating them vultures off. He was protecting it, right? I believe all of that was a physical representation of what he was doing with this precious faith that was growing in his heart. When the vultures of circumstances came for it, he beat them off of it with the Word of God. When the, when the symptoms kept coming. He beat him off of it with the Word of God. Because he knew that as long as he protected that faith, his hope had something to rest on. And as long as he persevered in hope, right, there was nothing the devil in hell could do to stop that from coming to pass in his life. Amen. Stand with me. Praise God. 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 Amen. This is something the Lord told me. I was driving to the foundry this morning. I'd been working on these things, meditating on these things now for a few days. I was driving to the foundry this morning, and the, Lord, the Holy Spirit spoke these words to me, and I, I spoke them to the class this morning, and I'm going to speak them to you tonight. Listen to me very, very carefully. And my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will show you when you're making this mistake. But this is exactly what the Lord told me. He said, never make the devil's case for him. Never make his case for him. One of my spirit-filled brothers walked up to me. I just, I was trembling. I come walking out of class in the morning. One of my spirit-filled brothers walked up to me and I said, how you doing, man? Just 
He's like, you're limping. And he said something about how his leg was hurting, all this stuff. And I, I stepped back. I said, don't ever make the devil's case for him. That's, that's what the Lord's like. That's what I'm talking about right there, son. Don't make, the, don't make his case for him, right? You've probably never been in a trial or a court, but you might know somebody, right? Them folks that are trying to send you away for 20 years, don't you dare make their case for them. You, are you, it's adversarial. Don't make the case for them. Sir, Mr. So-and-so, you know, I don't want somebody's name is going to mess up somebody. I think I'm talking about you. I'm not talking about you tonight, right? They, they say, you know, he robbed the store on 14th Avenue at 3 p.m. First thing your attorney is going to say is alleged. Allegedly he robbed, right? You notice how they use those words? Pleading not guilty is easy. Proving it against all contradicting evidence is the challenge. Declaring yourself healed, that's not hard. The devil's trying to make that to the That isn't hard to do. You can do that right now. And you can, you can receive something to rest some hope on tonight. But you need to be ready for things maybe, I'm not trying to speak negative on you, but I, I can't tell you how many times in my life I've prayed over something and it got worse. Seemingly, excuse me, thank you, Holy Spirit. It seemingly got worse. Allegedly, thank you, that's the right word. It allegedly got worse. But I ain't admitting that ever again. I'm not admitting that ever again. Because I know what it is. I know exactly what's going on here. I know what the devil's after. I know what he's trying to undermine. I know what he's trying to chip away at. I know what he's trying to get me to back down from. Because if he can get me to back down from believing I've already received, there's nothing left to support my hope. Father, you're good to us. Thank you for helping us. Lord, there's so many important things here and I just... Lord, even what I'm doing tonight, I'm doing it by faith. I'm preaching, believing, Lord, that your Holy Spirit is applying these things and imparting these things and planting these things and grafting these things into all of us, myself included, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, love somebody in Jesus.